You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. And so my message today, the title is called Running Better Together. Running Better Together. And the scripture that I'm going to use is Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And it says this, Then the Lord replied to him, Write down the revelation or the vision and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. In this short few sentences in the Bible, this gives a strategy how to see God's vision fulfilled in your life and in the life of a church. And so I want to talk you through that. I want to talk us through as a church what it's going to take for this church to take its next step to gain new premises, new purposes for Elam Church in Northampton. So first of all, what is vision? What is vision? Many of you in this room may be visionaries, and that's cool that you can see things to make things better. You've been gifted by God to see further than others of the abilities that God has given to you that others haven't, and that's how you get along in life more. You have ability to make finances and to earn things and make good business projects. But you know something, I want to encourage you that real vision, I'm talking about vision that outlasts you, has to come from God. Has to be a God-centered vision, not a self-centered vision. Vision is essential for survival, Charles Swindle tells us. It is spawned by faith, sustained by hope, and sparked by imagination, and strengthened by enthusiasm. It is greater than sight, deeper than a dream, and broader than an idea. Vision encompasses vast thoughts outside the realm of the predictable, the safe, unexpected. No wonder we perish without it. If your vision does not need God, then it's not a proper vision. Because you can fulfill vision in your own strength, but the vision that will give us life as followers of Jesus and a church is a vision that actually needs God to bring it to pass. It's his kind of vision. It's what he sees for the church where we tap into his sight, as we sang earlier, and we see what he sees, and then we pursue what he has shown us in our life as a corporate gathering. Vision is the art of seeing the invisible and believing the impossible, which benefits other people and brings glory to God. I like the description of late Miles Monroe described vision as a picture of the future. Describes it as a visual manifestation of your purpose and our purpose becomes our assignment. Our assignment then brings a preferred future. You know, without vision in your own personal life and In the life of a church, we will perish. In other words, we will throw off restraint. People will just do all kinds of things 
in all different ways. And that's why any local church has to have a vision, not 20 visions, one vision. And so the, the, the goal of a corporate gathering is that the corporate people get around one vision and together we can fulfill what God wants for us in our life. I'm talking about a vision that impacts the kingdom of God. It comes from the heart of God. It allows us to see what he sees to make a better future. You know, a God kind of future is attached to faith and faith is attached to, to need God. Because you can fulfill vision in your life, you can make things better, but you might not need God. But this kind of vision that we're talking about is a vision that God has designed for a church and for an individual to make their future prosper where he can be glorified and other people will connect with him and also give him praise and honor. That's the kind of vision that God gets excited about in any local church. When you know a church is ready to commit their lives, their time, their talent, and their gifting into a purpose that will make God famous and will help people connect with him, God gets so excited about that kind of vision. In fact, God wants to be involved in that kind of vision. It's so important that we see what God wants to see for our lives you know, God is always a visionary. When we made a mess in the beginning in humanity and we disobeyed God, God had a vision to restore that. He always had foresight down the future, even through all the mess of humanity, even in our mess right now in our world. God has a vision to make it better. Let me give you some encouragement. It will one day be better. Why? Because his vision was Jesus. But if you think about what Jesus had to go through, before the vision was fulfilled, then we understand that vision is not easy to be fulfilled. The vision is going to take some grit. Vision is going to take some commitment. Vision is going to take some determination. Vision is going to take teamwork. Vision is going to take us to give everything that we have in our life to fulfill God's purpose for our life in our local church. That doesn't mean to say that you don't have a life with your family and don't have your own desires and, and do things that you want to do. I'm not talking about abdicating those things, but I'm talking about living with a sense of that what you're doing, even in church this morning, and you're doing it in a sense of following God's purpose for your future. Not just attending so you can get encouraged to go out and feel better, but to make a difference in our world then God is looking for people who are willing to tap into his future, into what he sees, and say, Lord, we're, in, we're going to be involved in that. We're going to make it better. And you know, I want to encourage some of you in this church. I think 129, 129 people have given sacrificially into the building fund, and it's only last week that the majority of you only saw the inside of the building. That takes faith, and it also takes trust. And I want to publicly say to you, and if you're online and you've given to the building fund, and for those of you that give your tithe and offerings without that as well, we couldn't pursue what God's dream is for this church. I want to say thank you so much for willing to partner with the future for Elam Church in Northampton. And the possibility that in, in future for us that this new premises could be something that God has set out years ago for us to walk into. God has allowed us to see it from a distance, to, to walk on it and touch it 
and now we have to possess it. But that's going to take hard work. That's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take a lot of commitment. It, it can't just come with a few people on the leadership team. It's impossible for something so big to be fulfilled by just a handful of people. The church has got to own this next season if we're going to go for it for God. With all the enthusiasm in the world from your leaders and the, the preaching and, the, and telling that what, this is what God can do, you, eventually God has got to do something in your heart where you say, okay, we're going to be involved in this. We're going to be all in on this next season to make a better future, not only for us, but for the generations to come. But how do we get this kind of vision? How do you get a vision for your own personal life? How do you get a, a vision for a church or for a ministry? It first has to start with prayer. It starts with a relationship, intimacy with God. How does it work? When you get, when you get with God and he looks at your heart and you know that you want to serve him and love him, then he will begin to distribute to you his heart to you. It begin to show you opportunities and over time and over years after he can trust you with little, he will give you a bit more. Do you realize that it's 30 years, 32 years that we've been serving Jesus, only now that he is so fit to entrust him with something bigger? 32 years. And over those years, God has watched our lives. Can I trust you with that? Can I trust you with that? Any of those years we could have bailed out and threw away what God has put in our hands. And if you think that vision, big vision comes easy, you've got to be kidding. Because God is looking for a church who we can trust. Who we can hand something to that won't be neglected or abused or misused. And when God finds a church like that, then opportunities come like this. These don't come to every church, and that's not to boast about us. It only comes to people that he can trust with something that will give him glory and will benefit other people. And so I count it a privilege today, even though it's going to be hard work, even though there's going to be days of thinking, what have we done? Even though say, where are the people? Even when there's days that you want to quit, I count it a privilege today that God may have put this opportunity in the hands of this church for the generations to come. It says something about God saying, looking out of heaven with all the angels and going, that church, we can hand that to that church. Why? Because of their faithfulness over the last 55 years, in season, out of season, committed to the cause in Edom Church, Northampton. Some of you in this room and online have been committed to this church longer than me and Linda. And you're still here and you're still sacrificing and you're still giving. Why? Because you're committed to the cause. And we need a lot more people like you. Because only people like you can fulfill the future for this church and to make God known. And so I hope what you demonstrate, it will rub off on some of you guys in this room because Jesus' ministry, he always had crowds around him. And when Jesus left of three years with signs and wonders, people raised from the dead, blind eyes opened, 20,000 fed with a few loaves and a few fishes. There was only 120 people in the upper room.
And one day he looked at the disciples, he says, do you want to leave too? After the crowds left him because they couldn't handle the commitment he was asking for. And sometimes in church life, we spoon feed people to keep them attending, but we're not creating disciples. And if you want a church where you don't have to commit and you don't have to serve and you don't have to give, you need to find another church because we're not that kind of church. We exist, Jesus is coming back and we want to make sure that we are doing what he wants us to do with our lives. And I want to tell you all that you are giving your life to right, right now, it will be all over. And we're going to stand before God. And the greatest thing that we can offer him is that, Lord, I did what you asked me to do with my life. That's all God is looking for. And all he's going to say is one thing to you. Well done, good and faithful servant, not stars. Servant, faithful. You want to fulfill vision? You've got to be faithful and you've got to be a servant. And our church, I believe that we can do it. I think you've proven already that our goal that we want to reach and we need to get a bit more. But you've already proven that you're committed and involved in this. You're already saying amen to the future. I don't think about a bad report. I'm so encouraged. You know, if Moses was here now, he'd be going, I don't know how you do it. Because I sent 12 out and 10 come back and we're really negative. And only two gave a good report. But I want to tell you, I've, loads of people that's gone, I've not had any bad reports. All about is encouragement and going, this is amazing, what space. So I count that absolutely amazing privilege today that we have a church that's ready for this next season. Thank you so much for your encouragement. But we've got to now press in. We've got to make sure that we finish the task. We can't start and not finish. If we're going to go in this, guys, listen, you're going down with us. If we sink, we're going to sink together. Come on. Come on. Listen, if we win, we're going to win together. There's no superstars in this next season. We are all in. Everyone's going to celebrate. We've got we've to take this for God. We've got to go, come on. What an opportunity in our lifetime that we can make this transition that thousands and thousands of lives are going to be touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not for a fancy building. This is for a building to prepare a place for his glory. I believe we're going to have a visitation of God. We're going to see a move of the Holy Spirit. People are going to be transformed by his love. All because we are willing to take a step of faith and say, God, whatever the cost. Are you willing? Are you willing to say, God, whatever the cost, use me? Whatever my part I can play, I'm in God. That's what we need today. So it's going to take prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that may know the hope that you have for me. Vision comes from God. 
There's things that you can't see in your own life right now, but God sees them. And we would have never have seen what, what we experienced now 30 years ago in the nightclub on ecstasy. We never saw that for our lives. But God saw it. Vision. But we had to begin to align our lives with him once he made himself known to us. And so from this moment on, we are going to live for your vision and not for ours. I'm going to say to you today, some in this room, God is going to do amazing things for your life, but you can't see it yet. Hold on. God has got a better future for you. God has got a part for you that will blow your mind when you see what he will do for your life. And sometimes, because we can't see, we get disappointed. In 2 Kings it says, when the servants of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And he responds, oh no, my Lord. How many have woke up this morning with an oh no in your heart? Oh no, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Because you're surrounded by things in the natural that you perceive as a problem. What shall we do? He cried. And then the man of God said, do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then this is what he did. And Elisha prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. See, God wants to open your eyes today and help you see what you can't see. That beyond your problems, your problems are surrounded by God. And nothing is impossible for him. See, when you can't see your way out of things, you need God's perspective. And you only can get that through intimacy and prayer. Lord, open my eyes. Remember when Jesus spat on a man's eyes. He says, what do you see? He said, I see like men walking around like trees. Jesus put his hands on him again. He says, what do you see? He said, I see clearly. See, only Jesus can open our eyes. Remember one day that Paul, who was persecuting the church, was knocked off his horse and became blind. And God said, go to his house and pray for him. And he said, when he laid hands on Paul, he said, something fell like scales from his eyes and the Bible said so he could see again I'm here to tell you today some of you in this room one day you had a vision for God and you lost it but you know what the good news is that you can see again that Jesus can touch you and you can see again his purposes for your life and I want to encourage you that vision comes from God vision comes from God and secondly when you have a vision from God, and I'm going to skip through, I said to these guys this morning, I've only got seven points. And they went, seven points? 
I thought I really did well. But they're not massive points. They're just points to help you. First, you've got to pray. And then when you get a vision from God, you've got to plan. You have to prepare. No vision comes just by prayer. And that's some of the problems in some of your lives. You think that fulfillment's going to come through prayer alone. And no prayer will be fulfilled without planning and preparation. You know, when you go home today and you sit on your your table when you're going to have your dinner and all you do keep praying for your Sunday dinner and nobody has prepared it, have you guess what you're going to have for dinner? Come on, talk to me. Talk. What are you going to have for dinner if all you do is sit at the table and pray about it? Somebody's got to have prepared it before you can eat it. And every vision from God has to be prepared and planned. And that's where we have a downfall. Because you know when the prophet comes in and he prophesies over your life that you're going to be a world changer and you get excited and everybody goes, wow, what an awesome woman and man of God. But you don't plan and you don't prepare. No vision comes to reality. Why? Because you're not willing to plan and prepare your life. Jesus said, if you're going to do anything decent for me, you better sit down and count the cost. Oh, let me tell you, this last three weeks, we have sat down and count the cost for this next project. Let me tell you, I'm not going to tell you all the details because you might run home. (laughs) But we had an elders meeting and we said, are are you in? Are we in? This is the facts. We have done our homework. Are we still going to go for it? And they said, come on, let's go for it. But you have to plan. You have to prepare because if you don't plan, you don't prepare, you will not get anything in your life. You know why? Because vision costs you. But to have a preferred better life and family or anything is going to cost you. Vision costs us. You know, when I tag along and go shopping with Linda... And she walks past the window and she has vision. She sees a handbag. <laughs> that girl's got vision. <laughs> Look at that handbag. And I'm thinking, and listen, so she wants to touch it, wear it, and then she wants to own it. The only question in my mind is, how much is it? <laughs> Any guys here would agree with me? I'm not bothered what it looks like. Don't care if it's leather, plastic, paper. All I want to know is, how much does it cost? And I've already said no before I even look at the price tag. Anyway, now the only way that Linda is going to own that bag is if we agree to pay the price. And unfortunately, some followers of Jesus, when they see the price tag to fulfill vision, they opt out. Why? Because it costs too much. If we're going to fulfill what God wants us to fulfill, we are going to have to pay the price.
Now, I'm not talking about paying the price so you end up ill or broke. I'm not talking. I'm just saying that no vision from God is cheap. And if you want to fulfill a vision in your own personal life, if you want to make your marriage better, your life better, your finances better, your diet better, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. And we've got to be willing to pay the price of the vision. And I'm telling you, I think we can do it. I think you can do it. I have confidence in you as a church that we can do this in God already by the evidence of the generosity, already by the enthusiasm. I think we can do it. But then there's a third thing, and then I'm going to finish because I've moved away from some of the points, but I'll run for them quickly just to let you know. The first thing is you've got to get a vision from God. You've got to see God's perspective on your life, to see things that you can't see to help you make a difference in your future and your own life. Secondly, you've got to plan and prepare because without preparation and planning and a willingness to count the cost, vision will never get out off the dream board. The third thing, and I've made this third title up, it's called perspiration. It's called sweat. It's called hard work. Some Christians don't like the word perspiration because it means they've got to work hard. No vision, no church fulfills vision without hard work. Your life will not get better without hard work. You won't lose weight without hard work. You won't get fit without hard work. You won't do anything of any good without some hard work. But there's got to be perspiration. James says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do it. See, it's great talking about vision. It's great praying about vision. It's, it's great preparing about vision. But there's got to be a day where you've got to start putting it into action. And you've got to begin to go with what you've planned and what you've agreed and go for it. And that's when the nitty-gritty hard work begins. You know, it, the gospel starts out with a word, for God so loved the world. It's an amazing story. But look what it took for Jesus. He couldn't stay in heaven to fulfill it. He couldn't. He had to move from heaven and humble himself, but willing to be taken to a cross to see vision fulfilled. And Jesus said, if you want to see vision fulfilled, you need to take up your cross and follow me. And so Habakkuk says, I want you to Write the vision down. I want you to make it plain. And this is the last word. So you can run with it. So you can do it. So you can put what you've planned into practice so we can see this vision panned out in our lives. If we're going to run with a vision, then we've got to seek first his kingdom. Three points to finish. So vision comes from God. Vision needs to be prepared and vision needs to actually be acted upon. It's going to take hard work. In every area of your life, personal, whatever you want to achieve, it's going to take those three things. But if we're going to fulfill God's kind of vision, we've got to put his kingdom first. That's, that's again, not, not, not neglecting your own life, 
not neglecting your family. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about making sure that you're giving room for God to move in your life to fulfill God's kind of vision. So if you read Matthew 6, it's for the pagans run after all these things. I see loads of Christians who God gives vision and purpose, and what happens is they get distracted by running after the wrong things. If you're going to fulfill vision in your life, then you must make sure that you're running after God first. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first. And that's why Jesus, do not run after like the pagans who run after all these other things. What are those things? Material things. Self-centered things. Everything else but what God has asked us to run to. And so we can get distracted by running after things that's really not priority in God's list. Timothy says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, he's talking about some people in church now, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Why? Because the temptation of materialism has shifted their focus from running for God. And so do not run after what the pagans run after, but seek first his kingdom. Throughout the Old Testament, God's people had amazing vision and promises from God. But it's interesting to know that every juncture where vision stopped, it was around finances. Do you know that? When you, when you read Haggai, he says, go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. Vision had stopped. Why? So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. You see, that's the key of vision of following God. You expected much, but see, I turned out, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Now, it's not wrong to do your own stuff in your house. And, you know, we've just had our ensuite done. Nothing wrong with all that stuff. But it's when you totally focus on just building stuff for you and you neglect God's purpose for your life that God is saying, what are you doing? You've mismanaged your life. My house remains a ruin. And you know, in some churches throughout our land, they are ruins when you go into their building. Why? Because the people of God have neglected their commitment to finances of that vision. No different in the Old Testament. You've now traded your own house and you've allowed mine to be ruined. Now he said, go and get some timber. Go into the woods and go and bring some timber. Bring down and build mine. Someone said to me two weeks ago, God spoke to them and said, if you will build my house, I will build yours. And sometimes we get it the wrong way around. And if we're going to seek first the kingdom, we've got to build this house. And we've got to make sure that we are investing our finances into the kingdom. Yes, by all means, put finances into your own house. Absolutely plan for your future. But give some room for God and his house. Make sure you honor God with your first fruits. That's how you do it. Honor the Lord with your first fruits, with your first fruits of your increase so your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow. Again, a, a centuries later, 
Another prophet turned up, and we've just heard it in the offering. Malachi, he says, come on, guys. My house, there's no food in it. Come on, bring your tithe into the house where I may have food in my house. And you know what I love about God? When the people of God in the Old Testament neglected God's house, he sort of brought a kind of rebuke with a blessing. If only you would honor me, I'm going to bless you abundantly. Church, we can't, we can't just focus on our own indulgence and allow God's future and vision to be in ruins. We've got to be all in. And if you're in this room today and been part of our church, I want you to consider of asking God about your life and your commitment in the area of finances. We're going to need it if we're going to go into this next season. We're going to need you to be committed, committed in the area of finances and start to tithe or give some kind of percentage to the work of God here. Something, make a start to build God's house consistently. And we are grateful for all those that you've given. But I want to tell you, it's not going to work with a one-off. There's got to be consistent, consistent generosity from his church. That This is God's house. This is God's future. It's going to take self-discipline. I'm nearly finished. It's going to take seeking first the kingdom. It's going to take self-discipline. You know, when you have a vision from God, your life gets narrower. In other words, what's important to you becomes really clear. And you see, when you talk to some people and say, I'm too busy to come to church, I'm too busy to get involved, the reason is they haven't got a real vision. They've been so distracted by many things, they haven't got a vision from God, because when you get a vision from God, you know where you need to be. And you know what you need to do. There's loads of things that we could be doing right now as a church, but there's one thing that we've got to focus on what God showed us to do, and everything's got to be focused on that thing. And when you get a vision from God and a sense of call of God, then your life gets easier because you know what you need to be committed to. And all the other things that's robbing your life of his purpose, you say no to and you say yes to him because it's his vision on your life. His vision on your life. You know, when you are in a training ground, Paul talks about how we are running in a race but only one gets the prize. We've got to run with, in such a way that we've got to run in strict training. And when you have a vision from God, you have to prioritize your life and make sure that your life is healthy. If I talk to you guys in the room that go to the gym, when you're in training, not only do you exercise, but you make sure you put the, the right food in your body. You're prioritizing your life for this event, for this fitness in your life. Every athlete goes in strict training. They have the right diet, the right procedures, the right sleep. They have everything because of the purpose and the goals that they're about to achieve. And in any church, if we're going to do something great for God, then we have to make sure that we are in training. We have to make sure we're fit for the next season in God. And we have to prioritize our lives. We've got to watch what we're eating. We've got to watch what we allow into our soul and our spirit and make sure that we don't get entangled with sin in our life to trip us up. We've got to make sure that we're living right for God in strict training because you know when, it, when, the, when the bell rings, any boxer, 
who is training for a fight, if they have cheated the regime of training, when that bell rings, it will be shown up that they will say they never prepared. It's too late when the bell rings. We have to get ready now. We've got to make sure we're making adjustments now. We're going to make sure that we're going to be committed now. We're going to make sure that we're living right now because let me tell you, you cannot afford to be distracted. We've got to make sure we're protecting our life, that we're not going to get tempted, be pulled away from what God has called us towards, to live a right life, to honor him with our lives. And then we're going to be ready for it. And then finally, I want you to stand with me. Finally, you're never going to fulfill a great vision on your own. It's going to have to be shared. A shared vision. The Apostle Paul said, I wanted to talk to the leaders in Jerusalem about this, about this revelation I got from God, so I would not run in vain. I wanted to share the vision because I know I can't do it on my own. And I'll tell you, whatever God has got before us as a church, if this is your church, if you say, Neil Northampton is my church, then what we've got before us is that we cannot do this alone. It has to be a shared vision. It has to be a buy-in from every one of us in this room. In whatever way, with my gifts and my talents, with my giving, with my time, I've got to make some room in my life to say, okay, I'm going to plan my life that I can help fulfill the vision in this church. It's going to have to be shared. We're going to have to carry it together. I remember going to a conference years ago where in Los Angeles there's an amazing ministry called the Dream Center. And they bought a hospital, a hospital that one of the presidents was rushed to when he got shot. And he was taken to this hospital, I think it was about seven or eight stories high. And this hospital then was bought by a church in LA, Tommy Barnett's son. And he bought this hospital and they called it the Dream Center. And, every, and when we went to visit, we toured the Dream Center. And there was like just two floors of the Dream Center filled with ministry for the homeless and for, for the people on the streets and for the drug addicts. But then there was another five floors which was empty, which was under reconstruction. But they needed finances, they needed people to help with a vast vision for L.A., and I walked into this room and on the back of this empty floor, there was a massive big sign and it says, without vision, people perish. And underneath it says, but without people, the vision will perish. And I just thought, wow, you can have a great vision, but without people, the vision or perish. Church, we have an amazing opportunity before us. I believe it's a great vision from God. We believe it as a leadership. But I want to tell you, it's got to be shared. When you read Acts 2, it says all the believers were together with one heart and one mind. And they shared and they prayed and they preached, and it says, and the Lord added to their number daily. Father, I pray for everyone in this room. 
I pray for everyone online. Lord, that the thing that you have before us, that, Lord, there'll be a shift in our hearts today. That we will see a bigger purpose than just our own life. That we have an opportunity of stepping into the future and handing, Lord, generations a place, a house of healing, of salvation, of hope, of restoration, a house of dreams, a house of purpose, a house of second chances, a house of vision. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to your church today. I pray that you would unlock hearts. I pray, Lord, that our giving and our serving would come out of a relationship from you, not out of guilt, not out of pressure, not out of condemnation. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, over these next days and weeks that you begin to speak life, that you begin to help people understand the cost and the planning and the preparation and the commitment taken from each one of us today. Father, I pray what you've placed before us, that we would have the boldness and the faith to take the steps that's needed. We declare that we cannot take this step without you. We ask you to lead us. We ask you to guide us. We ask, Lord, to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I ask you, Father, that you release blessing to the house today, to every person in this room and online, that you'd release favor in their lives, that they would make room for you, that we can all step in to something great for your name, that you would be honored.